Hello, and welcome to the Get Lean and Eat Clean podcast. My name is Brian Grin. I'm a certified health coach, trainer, and author. And this podcast is for middle-aged men and women looking to optimize their health and get their bodies back to what it once was 10 to 15 years ago. I will give you simple, actionable items to get long-term sustainable results. Thanks for listening and enjoy the show. Hey everyone, it's Brian Grin, and today is episode one of the Get Lean, Eat Clean podcast. I'm super excited. I'm going to talk to you about my top 10 principles to live a kick-ass life, and I'm going to give you some tips in there as well. So let's jump right in to my top 10 principles and how I came up with these pretty much is through my experience just working with clients, you know, some researching, self-experimentation, and just my overall knowledge of how to live an optimal life uh, through my 40 years of living. And um, so I wanted to just come up with my top 10, just so you have a basis for something to build on. I mean, I've always prioritized my health for the most part, and it's become more and more evident as I've gotten older, because I realized that what I was doing in my 20s was not working in my 30s and 40s. So I needed to step it up. And so I need to step it up with sleep, breath work, eating, eating clean, fasting, and many other things. And so I wanted to put it together for you and give you my top 10 things that I've learned over the years. And hopefully you can grab one, two, three, or even all of them and implement them into your lives to help enhance and make optimize your health as well. So let's get started. Number one, <clears throat> make sleep a priority. For one, any other tip that I give in, in or any other principle that I give into, in this podcast is not going to mean much if you don't get sleep. I mean, sleep's critical for cognitive function, focus, self-control, and about 35% of Americans only get the recommended daily amount, which is about seven to nine hours of sleep every night. Now, this could be different for you. I mean, for me, I try to find a sweet spot between, I'm about seven to eight hours is perfect for me. Also, <clears throat> you want to just take this seriously because sleep deprivation can weaken your immune system, which is important nowadays, obviously, important all the time, and your nervous system. And it really can make you vulnerable to disease. So number one priority is sleep. Also, human growth hormone, human growth hormone gets released during sleep, which is important because for many things, including building tissue, maintaining leanness. So, you know, the body conducts its own like physical repair during rest, which is important for healthy living and longevity. So lack of sleep or poor sleep can cause everything from blood sugar poor blood sugar control, to inflammation, to food cravings, poor recovery, and even depression. So if someone comes to me and they have a certain issue, whether it's weight or whatever it is, you always want to start with sleep. Now, one thing is having a solid pre-sleep routine is crucial to being a sound sleeper. For most people, like I said, having six to eight hours is ideal, and then adding in a 20-minute nap would be great. Here's a few tips to help optimize your sleep. One, turn off any device one to two hours before sleep, okay, because artificial light can produce high amounts of blue light and disrupt your natural sleep cycle. Protect yourself from, from also from electromagnetic radiation. This is coming, this is being emitted from your cell phone, your laptops, cordless phones, wireless routers. These all emit, emit mo the most intense EMFs and will have a negative impact on your sleep quality. So anything that pretty much plugs into a wall or uses a battery emits EMFs. So the important thing is to keep it away from your bed 
um, as, as, like as far as possible and unplug it from the wall. Also, being consistent about what time you're going to bed each night is really important. Over time, your melatonin, your melatonin production and, re and release will actually naturally adapt to the time you're going to sleep. So you're going to get some big improvements in your sleep quality just from sticking to a consistent sleep schedule. That's something I really shoot for. Another option is you could supplement with melatonin, you know, especially if you're traveling. And if you're someone that historically has difficulty going to sleep or staying in, in deep sleep states, um, supplementation with melatonin can really help out. Also, reading and meditation is really helpful before you go to sleep. Helps calm the brain. There's tons of apps out there. If you need help with meditation, it's something I'm going to talk about later on. Also, if you want to sort of track your sleep time, your sleep stages and temperature, things like that, there's, there's a lot of devices, but one's called an Aura Ring. Um, they are not a sponsor of this podcast. This is just something that um, I've heard through other individuals and that I've read and done some research on. So check out the Aura Ring. Um, it's something that I definitely want to try as well. Try sleeping also with a, maybe a weighted blanket. Weighted blankets have, have been linked to help not only with sleep, but also with stress. Um, when, this pre when a little bit of pressure is gently applied to the body, it actually encourages serotonin production, and it actually can help lift your mood as well. So check out some weighted blankets. I actually have my, one of my own, especially for the winter. Okay, so learn new things is number two. Um, this is something that I think that doesn't get talked about a lot um, in sort of the health community. You'll hear it from time to time, but we always talk about working out and eating healthy. But what about your brain? I mean, if we don't have our brain, what do we have, right? And as we get older, um, you know, we see obviously things like Alzheimer's and things that affect people. So taking this seriously is important. And it's something that I have done. Um, I've started getting piano lessons over the last six, seven years, and um, I don't dedicate a ton of time, but a little bit over time makes a huge difference. And I've been taking a piano lesson once a week for 30 minutes and then doing it about every day for 15, 20 minutes per day. Now, you could do other things like learn a new language, you know, create some artwork, maybe some paintings. Um, but the key, I think, is just being consistent. Find something that you really enjoy. It's never too late to learn, okay? We, we know this, and there's studies showing that, obviously, you can generate new brain cells as you get older, a process called neurogenesis. So it's never too late for any of this. Number three, eat nutrient-dense whole foods. You know, this is up there. I, I, we all know how powerful food is for your mind, for your body, and for your overall health, right? What you feed your body. And nutrient-dense foods, now, for a while, I never even um, would eat this way. I, you know, I had a lot of, I was pretty much a vegetarian. I would have some fish from time to time. But I realized that I was not getting enough protein. And I wanted to do it in a sustainable, um, reliable way with high-quality protein. So I've been actually adding in grass-fed, grass-finished meats, uh, nose to tail. <clears throat> and um, yeah, this is just a great way to go. Obviously, if you don't eat meat, I totally respect that. And there's other ways to get protein. But if you're looking for high bioavailability, most nutrient-dense foods, nose to tail um, is, the, is the way to go. Because um, obviously, most processed foods are low in protein, high in carbs, and high in fat, 
and they're designed to pretty much increase your palatability to make you overeat, right? So the main thing is find, avoid calories that have no nutrients, things that are refined, processed bread, pastas, cereals, things like that, and get the abundance of your nutrients from, you know, nutrient-dense foods, um, such as nose-to-tail eating. Um, you can also get it from eggs, wild fish, is a good way to go. You can have less toxic vegetables, perhaps vegetables that might not cause an issue with digestion. Um, we all know that some vegetables could cause issues with individuals uh, trying to break them down. You can also sprout them um, or ferment them as well. So <clears throat> berries are an option if you're going to go with fruit, I would say, more so than like the melons as far as raising glucose and blood sugar. But the bottom line is make sure you're getting in enough protein. I think that's really important, especially if you're really active. At least a gram of protein per day. And depending on, uh, obviously, how much you weigh, it'll, it'll, it'll differ. But for me, I'm about 170. That's 170 grams of protein if I was going to go with one gram. And I've seen recommendations higher than that. Um, so if you're eating a lot of carbs, it will be tough to get in all that protein. So put that as the staple of your meals. High-quality, nutrient-dense proteins and foods. Excuse me. Okay. Next, I'm going to talk about number four, you know, drinking quality water is really important because a lot of times people don't do this and they think they're hungry, but they're really not. They're just dehydrated. So you want to drink mineral water. Now there's a lot of mineral waters out there. Um, I I've been, I've never, in the past, I never loved sparkling water, but this is something that I've added. And I really like it because I, you know, with my fasting, it, you know, that carbonation helps fill you up, but you're also getting some minerals as well. So if you think of it this way, your body consists mostly of water. Okay. So pretty much every physiological process and biochemical reaction exists um, in your body and it's, and water helps pretty much with all of that blood circulation, metabolism, and detoxification. So there's a lot of companies out there. If you're looking for maybe an app to help track your water, there's something called WaterMinder. It's called WaterMinder. But um, you know, you could. There's a few ways of going about it. You could just use the you know the tap water, add some maybe some sea salt to it or some mineral drops. Or obviously, you can install something in your house like a reverse osmosis system, which pretty much will remove chlorine contaminants in about at least at least eighty percent of the fluoride from your water. So. Add, add, add water to your routine if you're not, if you're not doing it already. Uh, number five, leave snacking to a minimum. So, uh, you know, there's surveys done out there showing that obviously in the 70s, you know, obesity wasn't that as big of an issue and people were just eating three whole meals a day. But, you know, now showing their studies showing by 2004, people were eating close to five to six times per day. And this was something that was sort of in the mainstream, right? You got to eat to keep your metabolism up. Your brain runs on glucose, which it does, but you don't need to eat to keep your brain in great shape all the time. Okay. Your brain, there's plenty of energy that it can get from, um, from your own source, right? From your own body fat and your ketones and things like that. So, um, Controlling blood sugar and insulin levels is really important. And if you're always eating all the time, one, you're going to put on weight and two, your blood glucoses are going to go up and down and you want to really keep your glycemic variability to a minimum. 
And that'll help obviously prevent things like type 2 diabetes and avoid crashing throughout the day. So let's go back to the olden days. Let's go with three square meals and leave snacking to a minimum. Number six. So fast a minimum of 12 hours a day. And I say 12 because you sort of want to start at a baseline and then you can build from that. Like in, in the simple intermittent fasting journal, which I created about three years ago, um, we talk about easing your way into fasting um, and just sort of training your body that it doesn't need to necessarily eat every meal of the day. Um, so, you know, when I say fast the minimum of 12 hours, that would be, you know, pretty much taking advantage of your overnight sleep and overnight fast, and then, um, you know, pushing back breakfast gradually, right? So, you know, by fasting at least half the day, you're going to allow your digestive system to rest, your gut to heal, you're going to promote some fat loss and improve insulin sensitivity and even promote some healthy mitochondria. So there's a lot of benefits and proven benefits to fasting. So most people, you know, most people start their days eating right away. I recommend don't eat right away. Push it back gradually until you find sort of that sweet spot that works for you. Okay. Because obviously when you're feeding all day, you're, you're, you're storing food as energy and as body fat. And during fasting, you're going to burn body fat for energy. So when you fast, your body's going to start using its own stores. I'm not going to go into all of that, but the bottom line is fast a minimum of 12 hours per day. If you're looking for a challenge, I do have the 21 day intermittent fasting challenge, um, which you can check out on my website, briangrin.com. But number seven, resistance train three times a week. Um, so people ask me what's more important, cardio or resistance training. And I always say resistance training by far, because there's definitely studies linked to being leaner and stronger. It leads to longevity and muscles become smaller and weaker with age. So as we're getting up there, there's something called sarcopenia. Okay. So it's important to be actively engaged with some form of resistance training because building muscle, right. And maintaining its function is pretty much essential for performance and longevity. So build some quality muscle and maintain its function. And you're going to definitely see a difference in just how your energy is, how, how you handle foods. Okay. So the, the more muscle we have, the more muscle we have, the higher our total daily energy expenditure will be. And we can actually boost our metabolism and promote longevity. Okay. So also building muscle helps improve bone density, makes your body more insulin sensitivity, insulin sensitive. And, um, yeah, it's just, if you're picking one or the other, stick to strength training. I mean, I've done strength training workouts where I literally feels like I just ran a marathon. Um, so you can, you can get, you know, cardio, uh, some cardio benefits from just even strength training. Number eight. So this is something that I've been implementing in my lives and into my life and has made a huge difference is yoga, um, yoga, meditation, finding time to just connect spiritually. Um, you know, having time like throughout the day to unplug and be completely present is so important um, for your mind and your overall health. So like mindful meditation has been linked to boosting serotonin, improving memory, regulating inflammation, enhancing neural connections in your brain, and much more really. Um, like I said, I personally enjoy yoga, 
this is something that I've been doing, even obviously with the quarantine, I've been doing it um, in just one of the rooms in my house um, using an, an, an app called Downward Dog and just following their routine. So you can meditate at the end. I actually have been doing that at least 10 minutes after I'm done with yoga, just sitting there in complete silence. And um, it's just a great way to start the day. You could do it any time of the day. I, you, know, some, you could do it at night if you sort of suffer from falling asleep, just to sort of quiet your mind, focus on your breath, and it'll help you fall asleep. Like mentioned, there are apps um, if you're just doing meditation, there's maps like Calm or Headspace, but I, I personally like, um, if you're looking for yoga, I like Downward Dog, but there are plenty of other ones. Number nine, something called cold thermogenesis. This is something that's, again, I've implemented it in my life and it's been a huge impact. Waking up your vascular system with cold showers, a little bit of hormetic stress. So this could include cold baths, cold showers, ice soaks, even cryotherapy, which is something that I've done on and off. I mean, cold exposure can cause an increase in metabolism, calorie burning, reduce inflammation, increase your insulin sensitivity, okay, improve sleep and recovery. You know, for the most part, modern life is just putting us down this road of always being comfortable and being, you know, for example, Intermittent fasting is a form of hormetic stress. Well, here's another one, cold thermogenesis and just cold exposure. So I would start off and simply, if, if you've never done this before, just at the end of your shower, um, leave it on for like 10 seconds to the cold um, setting and gradually work your way up 10 seconds, get up all the way to 30 seconds. And then, you know, you can obviously go from there. I would say maybe perhaps at most like two minutes. Um, but you can work your way. And I would say, try that for 10 days straight and see how you feel. I mean, taking a cold shower or a cold bath is the, probably the most cost-effective way of doing um, cold thermogenesis. Cryotherapy can be very expensive. So I would say either fill up your tub with cold water between 40 and 60 degrees, or, you know, take a cold shower. The key is you want to just make sure you take deep diaphragm breaths. And once you get past those first you know, 10, 20 seconds, it becomes easier and easier. Okay, number 10. This one is simple and hopefully maybe you did a bunch of, you've been doing this more and more with the quarantine, but walking after meals. So like a great habit of walking after meals helps, first of all, with digestion, blood sugar maintenance, and also getting some sunshine, just getting out in nature a little bit. You know, um, I think it's something that we just sort of lack nowadays in, in the modern world. Um, we go from our house to our car and yeah, we know we're getting outside from time to time, but you know, even in the winter, you know, make it, a, make it a point, get out, put some layers on and go for a walk. If you need help, obviously, you know, get a dog. <laughs> so I, I adopted a dog about over three years ago. It's probably been the, the best thing I've done, not only just, just for general overall health and just, uh, positivity, but, um, also just obviously getting out and walking. I can't believe how much I walk uh, now that I have a dog. So, um, and when you get out and walk, you're also getting sunshine and we know how important vitamin D is. Um, I won't go into everything regarding vitamin D. I could probably do a whole podcast regarding that because most of the time, if you live in the Midwest, um, you're probably, you could be lacking vitamin D. Um, 
also if you, you know, getting a sweat on too, you know, it doesn't have to be a crazy walk, but you know, helps sort of, you know, keeps your lymph, lymph, lymph system flowing and more active. So that'll, that'll help, um, with digestive issues and obviously some tox, toxicities that occur. So I would say if I was going to put a bonus one on here, cause I, we talked about 10 already is, you know, sweat, uh, perhaps do some, um, you know, infrared saunas. Um, you got the cold, you got the heat, and then you got some intermittent fasting. So you got some hormetic stresses and, you know, you, you know, obviously you want to do, you don't have to do these all the time, but I would say at least a few times a week. Um, but walking after meals is a simple thing that can be done. And, um, if you don't have a walking partner, then maybe you can adopt a dog. So those are my top 10. I'll quickly run through them really quick. Uh, just to give you a quick summary, make sleep a priority. Number one, learn new things. Three, eat nutrients, dense whole foods. Four, drink mineral water. Five, leave snacking to a minimum. Six, fast a minimum of 12 hours a day. Number seven, resistance train three times a week. Number eight, find time to connect spiritually, either maybe through meditation or yoga. Number nine is cold thermogenesis. And number 10, walk after meals. So I'll put these in the show notes. And, um, you know, if, 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 you if you're doing some of these already, great. If not, implement one at a time until it becomes a habit. Um, these are just things that have worked for myself and my clients. And hopefully it'll have a positive impact on your health and help you lead a kick-ass life. Thanks for listening to the Get Lean, Eat Clean podcast. I understand there are millions of other podcasts out there and you've chosen to listen to mine, and I appreciate that. Check out the show notes at briangrin.com for everything that was mentioned in this episode. Feel free to subscribe to the podcast and share it with a friend or family member that's looking to get their body back to what it once was. Thanks again and have a great day.